2: Perry Perry, it's Wednesday, February 17, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Orlando is here with me. I think I want to start with Io Dasumu. He did not have a big game Tuesday night against Northwestern, just 13 points, well below his average, but boy, oh boy, did he close things brilliantly. It was 65-63 Illini with 125 left, so one possession game io3 pushes it up to 68 63 next possession 41 seconds later another long three from io now at 71 63 and that was that final score illinois 73 northwestern 66 again io Desumo only finished with 13 points but eight of them came in the final 414 dead leg is it clear to you at this point or Has a high major coach texted you to express that Io Dasumu is the greatest closer in college basketball? Can you confirm that a power conference coach has expressed this very obvious opinion to you via text message?
0: Well, I think it was... I think it was a one-point game on Tuesday night when I actually had a mid-major coach text me that Virginia Tech's good enough to make the NCAA tournament. That Io really turned on the Jets in this one. Okay, and he is the greatest closer. I mean, listen, I did, I did send out, I did send out the tweet. Um, which at this point, everyone that gets it, I, 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 I'll keep doing it occasionally. There are clearly people that don't listen to the podcast that don't get it. But just so we're clear, if you did miss it, I sent out unprompted. Just had a high major coach text me Illinois could lose in the second round. This was, I think, with about 30 seconds to go in the game. And uh, there were there were some befuddled people. There were a couple of media members that, quote, tweeted it and didn't know what I was doing there. But uh, it clearly brings an immense amount of joy to a lot of you. So I will keep doing this without any, like, true, like, uh, strong indication of what I'm doing there because I, I just love rolling this inside joke there. Uh, and then I had a couple people... Um, Kind of doubt, like, didn't know what I was doing, and they downplayed uh, what IO was either doing or how valuable he was. Uh, some people came back at me for my IO versus Luca debate, which still continues to be one. I saw Scott Van Pelt bring up this very thing on his late night Sports Center show on Tuesday. And IO to is the most. Irresistible player in college basketball to watch in a tight game with a minute minute and a half to go. I mean, he has a killer closer mentality. Now, to be fair, Parrish, he has done this against Northwestern and Nebraska. So, but he, but but he did it in Pinnacle Bank. He did do it in Pinnacle Bank, which we have we have. And user. for
2: people who missed what he did in Pinnacle Bank Friday night, it was final ten points of regulation, first five points of overtime. He scored fifteen straight points for Illinois to get what is widely recognized in college basketball as an improbable victory inside Pinnacle Bank.
1: Uh,
0: this is like the thirty seventh straight game an opponent's won in the building, but yeah, sure, sure. Like let's let's, let's that that's, totally. Wasn't it wasn't always
2: this way. It wasn't always this way, Norlander.
0: It it might have it might have been, but regardless, Desumu. Is, I mean, he. You know how
2: not how winning in Cameron Indoor is not that big of a deal this season, or winning in Rupp Arena not that big of a deal season. Pinnacle Bank is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, winning in Cameron Indoor meant something. Winning at Rupp meant something. And winning at Pinnacle Bank it meant something. I I'm sorry, it doesn't this season nearly as much. But still, when we're talking about it, 50 years from now. On the ION College Basketball podcast, unless we're extinct like dodo birds, um, we will we will remember it as it was Jane. It was February two thousand twenty-one. I O went into Pinnacle Bank and scored fifteen straight to I lead think, the Illini to a victory. I
0: think the case you're trying to make here, and I think there is something to this. Um, it's not easy for us to be sages on this kind of deal, but we might as well give listeners the true, you know, perspective. Our frame of reference right now, so that five, ten, fifteen years from now, when this is part of the common narrative, everyone knows where it started. Basically, what you are, um, what you're putting down, and I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. What you're putting down here is that what Io DeSumo did in Pinnacle Bank on Friday night was akin to Jordan hitting the shot with seventeen seconds to go in 1982 and in the New Orleans Superdome to win the national championship. It's I mean, what that it felt like
2: to me that was I mean, the I, yeah. Yeah. what it felt like to me
0: that was the birth of the jordan legend and clearly pinnacle bank was the scene of the birth of the disumu legend and i think that i can roll with that and when people try and rewrite history 10 years from now and try and make it seem like they're the first ones to discover this just remember where you heard it first Desumu is averaging 21.3 points 6.0 boards 5.1 assists he is as i noted in my takeaways over the weekend and I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast, so if I'm repeating myself, apologies. I'm going to pull a GP here. I repeat myself all the time. I know. <laughs> um, the last player to do that in the Big Ten was Evan Turner, and he was a pretty clear-cut national player of the year. Now, every season is a universe unto itself, and we've talked about Desumu versus Garza, both for Big Ten and national player of the year. But uh, him doing this in these moments, even if it's not a good team, I think it does help his his cause overall. I mean, yeah, my, my main takeaway is that he has uh he has a want for the ball can just completely take over and that's a wonderful thing for illinois obviously there's a chance this could ultimately backfire he's not going to hit every single shot but uh, and i still maintain that i'm going to pick illinois one round too far in the tournament but they've had a couple of close calls versus bad teams they remain uh, projected the top two seed as of now at 15 and five.
2: I still think it's Luka Garza a Big Ten player of the year right now. I still think it's Luka Garza a national player of the year right now, but it is close. Uh, there is a there is a scenario where I could see Io Dasumu becoming that guy. It involves Illinois continuing to win at a high level and staying in the top five, and Iowa may be doing the opposite of that. Uh, uh, Iowa right now 11th in the AP poll. Like, if you're Luka Garza averaging 24.5 points, 8.4 rebounds, shooting 56.2% from the field, 43.1% from three for a team ranked in the top 15, that's national player of the year stuff. I mean, that's going to be good enough. But if Iowa goes the wrong direction, and Dasumu continues to light it up and Illinois continues to be in play for a one seed, then I, I could see it flipping. I looked at it this morning, like the All-American team, almost kind of just the first team, it mm. just kind of makes itself
0: almost. Let me I guess mean, it. Can it, like, I guess it? Sure. All right. I'm going to say Garza, Desumu, Butler, Kisper, and then you lose me on the fifth one because there's a lot of options.
2: I think there's two obvious ones. Drew Timmy. And Evan Mobley,
0: right, and I think I don't think that's decided yet. So Timmy's higher in Ken Palm Player of the Year. If you talk to the Gonzaga staff, they'll not they'll acknowledge that Kispert's their best player, and they're all really good. That's not to say that Timmy's like Timmy's great. Timmy is better in in per possession numbers, but Kispert, who doesn't appear on the Ken Palm top ten uh, list uh, for Player of the Year in terms of that metric, I, I would take Kispert personally. Now it's it's super close, and Suggs is also in there, which makes it interesting to me, and it's why I really. Player of the year is really Garza, Desumu, Butler. But unfortunately, Butler's been hurt because Baylor hasn't play, like Baylor's not playing until next Tuesday. GP, he had a chance, I thought, but I think now it's gone. I, I think he lost too many. Like Baylor would have, to, he would have to come back. Baylor not lose and drop thirty plus every game to make it a conversation. I just think unfortunately his window was there and it closed because Baylor's going to have wound up have sitting for more than twenty days. Right,
2: but, but can we agree that four of the first teamers are obvious at this point? I would Jared agreed. Butler, Ayodele Sumu, Corey Kispert, Luca Garza, and then we can fight over that fifth spot. I, 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 I think I'd go Drew Timmy and put two Zags on the first team. But like Evan Mobley is awesome mm-hmm. for a team that suddenly looks awesome.
0: I would lean Timmy right now because uh, team is slightly better. Now USC's. I've been. I'm super high. I think I'm higher on you on USC than anyone. But yes, I would. I think if you're going Timmy, I'm going Timmy with you right now. As well, and then Mobley probably the first pick for the for the second team.
2: Either way, tremendous stuff from Io Desumu on Tuesday night against Northwestern. I mean, yeah, lost in this, and and you you noted it. Um, it was you know they they Illinois has struggled with Nebraska and Northwestern in back to back games, so that's not great. And now they've got to go to Minnesota on Saturday. Minnesota um, looked great early in the season, not as great lately, but still. At Minnesota, nothing simple about that. And then if you're trying to look forward uh, for Illinois on the schedule at this moment, next Tuesday at Michigan State, then February 27th at Wisconsin, and then March 6th at Ohio State. So Illinois closing with four straight road games?
0: Yeah, yeah, I noted that in my my power rankings there. This is the wonkiness of the schedule. And they haven't, you know, are they going to get a Michigan game in there as well? Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's kind of tricky. This I noted this exact thing uh, in Tuesday in the power rankings and that, and this was before they played Northwestern, but they had a close one against Nebraska, um, and now they still have these these road games ahead. So Illinois is going to lose. At, it's probably going to lose at least twice before Selection Sunday. So it's going to be one. It's going to be a team with a higher loss total, I think, than others on the two line. But it could lose twice and still. Clearly, be a two seed. uh I'll be interested to see how the general public re- reacts to this team, depending on where it's seeded when we get to the NCAA tournament and how it looks, you know, over the next two weeks. Because there are some potential pitfalls. So
2: I know who's not going to be a first-team All-American: Jalen Johnson, Duke's Jalen Johnson. Depending on who you listen to, he either opted out or quit his team earlier this week. I'll ask Norlander which one it is next. But first, check
1: this out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: So Jalen Johnson, the five-star prospect, projected lottery pick is no longer a part of Duke's team. That's not debatable. That is a fact. The debate is centered around whether Jalen Johnson opted out or quit. Norlander, you tell me, is Jalen Johnson an opt-outer or a quitter?
0: Oh, boy, that's fairly direct there. Uh, Is he an
2: opt-outer or a quitter?
0: Uh... I would I would I would slightly lean opt out her but there's a lot there's a lot here. Where would you lean?
2: I would I think I would lean more
0: toward quitter. I think you were, I thought that's where you would go. So I yeah, so here let me First of all, this this became, this became the story for about 24 hours in college basketball. And it's Jalen Johnson. It's Duke, you know, they're they're having a bad year all that stuff. So I guess I can't be too surprised by it. There's a lot going on here with this story. Um Because he's at Duke, it's just, I mean, if Jalen Johnson was, frankly, if Jalen Johnson played for Michigan State, it would be a story, but wouldn't be half the story it is right now. Well, how
2: about this? A player at Cincinnati did the same thing last night. Nobody cares.
0: Correct. Correct. Shouts to Brian Snow, who I believe broke that with 247 Sports. Um, So I, I say this without any condemnation or emotion. Jalen Johnson quit the team. That's just a fact. Uh, We've talked about this in a different realm uh, with James Wiseman, who also quit the team. Um, Now I had gotten word and I was hardly the only one because there were some murmurs more than that about this. Once Jalen Johnson left that when he had his foot injury in December, there was some wonderment if he would wind up returning to the team after Christmas break. And he did. And, he clearly was not the player that they hoped that he would be and If he's had injury issues that have held him back to a certain extent, sure, we have to recognize that as well. I did have a source connected to Duke tell me on late Monday night that Johnson returning to the team after Christmas was more of a surprise than him leaving the team right now. So this has been something that has been there for a while, and all of the reasons that he wants to cite for doing it, I don't necessarily push back on uh if he has a problem with the foot i had one source speculate that that another mri might be needed soon here potentially um so keep that in mind he's probably going to be a top 20 pick i'm not necessarily all in on this guy being a lottery pick at this point i just don't know if he's necessarily proved enough to validate that but we'll let the evaluators decide that we'll talk about that long after the season ends gp but duke sucks it's a pandemic he's not fully healthy Um, I had another source, not connected to Duke, kind of point out to me that um, the signs for this might have been once he really lost some playing time in the Miami game and it continued to kind of trend that way, and then he was eventually out there. Um, He could have very legitimate reasons for doing this, wants to protect himself and his draft stock. I get all that. It's a pandemic. He's an unpaid college athlete, so I will not judge him for this decision. I can say that while at the same time objectively just stating the fact, and that's that he quit the team with three weeks to go. So this has become a hot-button issue for people to call Jalen Johnson a quitter and then for other people to, uh, you know, admonish those people for, you know, attacking uh, a 19-year-old who's an unpaid college athlete that wants to not play college sports in a pandemic. I think there are arguments on both sides.
2: Opting out is a phrase I think— one that we created for this pandemic, right? Opting out didn't used to be a thing. We didn't used to say when somebody quit a team, they opted out. We just said they quit the team. I think opting out is a pandemic term. Is that
0: correct? I I think that it was – listen, I I feel like it was there because when players that were good on just okay college football teams didn't play in bowls, they opted out of the bowls. That was probably where it started. But, yes, I get what you're saying.
2: Okay, that's fine. So I I, I get – Opting out, I get opting out of a bowl game. If you're a NFL draft prospect, that bowl game is meaningless unless it's part of the college football playoff. So I have no issue with that whatsoever. In fact, if my son were a projected second round NFL draft pick and his options were to play a bowl game in Shreveport or not play a bowl game in Shreveport, we would not play the bowl game in Shreveport, or at least I would suggest to him that he shouldn't for all of the obvious reasons, and then I would let him make his decision and if he didn't make the right decision i might force him to reevaluate his decision i get that when avery bradley opts out of joining the lakers in the bubble because he has a young child who has underlying medical conditions and he doesn't want to play in the middle of a pandemic i respect that that's opting out when marcus strowman Wrecks the Mets rotation by deciding okay. he doesn't want to last summer play in the middle of a pandemic. That's opting out. You, 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 you from the jump, you say, you know what? Am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? All things considered, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I'm not going to do it. That's opting out. When you decide you're going to play college basketball in the middle of a pandemic, you join the team, you enroll, you work out, and then In February, when things aren't going well for your team or for you, but when there still is a path to an NCAA tournament and by extension, a national championship, you're not opting out. You're quitting. If Jalen Johnson or anybody else, after... Duke's regular season is over and after Duke is eliminated in the ACC tournament and after Duke on selection Sunday is not given an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament and then Duke is invited to the NIT, if he decides then I don't want to play in the NIT, This the NIT is meaningless, it is the, it is a bowl game in Shreveport, um, I'm done. I'm just going to be done with this. I totally understand that. and And I would respect it on some level. This ain't that. This is quitting. This is quitting after you played eight minutes. And you could talk about the foot all you want because he is talking about the foot and others are too. He played on Saturday. Get out of my face. Mm-hmm. Played on Saturday. All right? He His role got reduced. Things weren't going his way. And he left his team. That, by any definition in my mind, is quitting.
0: He did play. And he played eight minutes. And, yes, I think that is... Fair and an objective statement there that he that he quit the team there. Um, now, he did have his own head coach quit the rest of the non-conference season, although, it was, what was it, two games? But, the, you know, within the own program, GP, the precedent was set there. And I actually think, based on some information I got back then, I think that a lot of the situations surrounding Duke then was not... It was, by the way, this was not all Jalen Johnson. Like, Jalen Johnson was not wrecking the Duke locker room or anything like that. Um, but uh, I think these things have just... Frankly, they festered. And then what you have here, Parrish, I would say it's similar to what you had with Wiseman. And to be clear, there could be one or two things about this situation that we still don't know that may maybe come to light once Jalen Johnson is doing media interviews, ramping up for the draft. I don't know. But we're going on uh, what we know, the facts here, and some of the intel that we've been able to acquire. But just like James Wiseman had people around him. That clearly influenced his decision to quit Memphis and chase uh, his NBA career. Uh, and Jeff Goodman, our our buddy, who we will uh, not rib in this moment here, uh, he also did report that there have been issues with uh, Jalen's people, if you will, and Duke going back a couple of months here. And uh, clearly, it had just hit a point where he decided that this just wasn't worth it. And uh, given the timing of him playing his, I believe, his fewest minutes in a game this season in a game Duke won and looked good when he wasn't on the floor. Um, Certainly, this will just add a significant layer to his overall draft pr- profile. Parish when he when he, when teams look to whether or not they want to pick him, if they're in that ten to twenty to twenty five range, um, all of, you know they'll have plenty of questions they're going to want answered by Johnson and his whomever is representing him at that point.
2: Now, I've I've seen enough on Twitter to know there's somebody listening right now who's going to say he is an amateur athlete, and we are in a pandemic, and he is a projected you know lottery pick. And so if he wants to protect his investment, then it, it's his right to do it. It's his right. It's his right. It's his right. I've heard a lot of that. Um, well, of course it's his right. Like, I don't even know what that means. That they, 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 they goes without saying like, yes, he has the right to not play college basketball anymore. Of course. Like, what are you talking about? Um, you know, but like, I don't even know how that's, in, I don't even know how that's a part of the conversation. um, You know, if I tell my wife when she gets home from the grocery store, I will help her get groceries out of the car, it is then my right to just say, you know what? I decided I don't want to do that, but I would also be a jerk. (laughs) You know, it's within my rights, but like, but you could label it properly. Uh, Well, that's kind of a not great thing to do. You told somebody you were going to do something. Go do it. And obviously apples to oranges. I get it. Mm -hmm. But I'm a sort of a see it through person. Like, let's see it through. And I have no issue with anybody who, with any projected first-round pick, who decides they don't want to play college basketball at all, to, quote, protect their investment. I don't want to play college basketball. Or I want to go to Australia and play. Or I want to join the G League program. Those are all reasonable paths that that other high-profile prospects have taken. If Jalen Johnson or anybody else wanted to take those paths, fine with me. Jalen Johnson doesn't want to play in the middle of a pandemic fine with me. When you enroll, you join the team and then you quit when things aren't going well for you. That is what it is. He did not opt out over an injury. He did not opt out over a pandemic. He decided this isn't going well. I'm bouncing and it is within his rights, but like, but then it it should be labeled accordingly. That's somebody who That's somebody who quit on his team, quit on his program. Because, again, this is not like opting out of a bowl game. Duke's got regular season games left. Duke has an ACC tournament left. Seems unlikely they could win it, but they could win it and be in the NCAA tournament. And he bailed on his team and his program in advance of all that stuff. That is quitting.
0: Uh, To spin it forward real quick, uh, as we record this, Duke is scheduled to play at Wake Forest on Wednesday night. It's an 8-8 team. Obviously, it has no... Uh, at large path at this point, the ACC its its opponents aren't good enough. Like Duke would Duke would actually probably have to win every single game until the ACC final, and then if it lost in the ACC final, it would probably have an intriguing at large profile GP. But that's not going to happen. So, um, but it, then it's got Virginia at home Saturday, then home games against Syracuse and Louisville. Um, I'll just be interested to see what the team is. I mean, if anything, you know, Duke from a from a tracking the team standpoint. Like Duke was, we were, we we were, and we basically are done with them. But if we look up to and and Duke wins Wake against Wake Forest, and then it wins at home over Virginia Saturday, then it we kind of perk up a little bit and say, uh, you know, what's changed here? It might not. They could lose to Virginia by 20 points. But um, I, that's you know, As we spin forward, that's just the one thing I'm I'm intrigued to see is uh, is what the team is like going forward. And if it can use this, it's any sort of rallying point i don't know um i'd be interested to see i'd be interested to truly know how the players uh feel about this clearly the coaches would not prefer to lose jalen johnson i would think his teammates would feel the same way but um we're probably not going to get an, uh, a truthful answer on that anytime soon uh best we can hope for is just to see what uh, what duke does without him in the coming games
2: Let's move on. The two most notable results from the past two nights belong to Florida State and Arkansas. On Monday night, Florida State blasted Virginia. Tuesday night, Arkansas beat Florida by double digits. So right now, the Seminoles and Razorbacks are both technically in second place in their leagues. FSU is 8-2 and two in the ACC, tied in the loss column with Virginia, but three games back in the win column. Arkansas 9-4 and four in the SEC, three games back of Alabama. Both teams are seven and one in their past eight games? Norlander, are you buying what Leonard Hamilton and Eric Musselman are selling?
0: I mean, Florida State. As First, do you know what they're selling? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're selling. You want to inform edibles. me on that? You got. You, edibles, are you aware?
2: they're selling? They're both selling edibles. Okay. Would that be something if Leonard Hamilton and Eric Musselman were both high major coaches selling edibles?
0: Listen, this is not a. Uh, this is, I'm not trying to impugn Musselman's character whatsoever, but I feel like you catch Musselman in the right moment, he's gonna be like, "Yeah, I'll try an edible." <laughs> yeah, I, feel like, I feel like I feel like he might give it a go. My man was topless after the win over the weekend, and then he's getting into the into the the sledding down the hill on Monday in Fayetteville because they got you know, God knows how much snow there, and he's taking advantage of it. Um, Who would you rather eat edibles with, Leonard Hamilton or Eric Musselman? I feel like it's 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 Hamilton cuz I I feel Should l- this be one of my questions like that I put in the
2: uh <laughs> like the like on Twitter like uh, at the 27 mark <laughs> who would you rather do edibles <laughs> yes. with learn Hamilton or Eric Musselman?
0: <laughs> yes it needs to be this without a doubt and I feel like I feel like Musselman might be that guy from college where It just it gets way it's just too much at once and you're like, I can't do this with you right now, man. Like I I your energy is too much for me in this room right now. I can't take it, man. You gotta get out of here. Whereas I feel Hamilton would be just more like yo, let's just let's just let's just turn on a movie right now, man. You wanna just chill here and sit? And that's that's probably the uh Probably the vibe you want to go with in that in that instance, but I have to be honest, I've never had an edible in my life, so I have no idea. I'm just completely out of my element here.
2: I feel like you could just sit down with Leonard, and he'd be comfortable just sitting there, and you'd be comfortable just sitting there. I feel like with Musk, it'd be it'd be just be a little bit there'd be just more
0: going on i just i feel like there might be some some paranoia that enters the conversation then. so anyway i think you asked me if i like oh yeah you like to ask me if i like what they're selling then you had these dudes giving uh giving edibles out and uh and now here we are i'll speak to the actual teams real quick uh Arkansas being in second place in the SEC is is definitely something of a whoa. Um, now, it's tied in the loss column, technically, with LSU at the moment. Uh, Bama's at the top, obviously. Arkansas, LSU, and then behind them with five losses. Tennessee and Florida. Florida really it got close, and then they let that uh, opportunity slip away. That's kind of an interesting bubble uh, resume there with the Gators. Arkansas is, is really... It's, it's rounding into form uh, last week in the court report I had a reader ask me to identify a couple of teams that were kind of in that bubble sphere that were setting themselves up uh, relatively well to be a you know a team that's not going to be a, a great seed but could have the chance at, at, at making a sweet 16 run um, and I identified Arkansas and this was prior to their win at Missouri on the over the weekend and then beating Florida so now they've gone they're changing the resume is actually significant 15 and 5 to 17 and five and the win over Missouri was Arkansas's first win over a projected tournament team, and it it still kind of is because Florida's a little bit wobbly there, but 17 and five, and certainly has done well for itself within the league. Um, the defensively, it's 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 vastly improved, and it's been needed as you have no doubt noted because of your daily rankings. Arkansas really wasn't worthy of inclusion. In the polls for a long time because it played uh, a mostly trash non-conference schedule for a power conference team, and then it got behind the eight ball just a little bit in league play to start, and now it's it's coming back into form here and really can make some noise. I'll be interested to see how how long this can go. There's a game in a week scheduled against Alabama, and that could certainly be um, a whole ball of fun. Real quick on FSU GP, and then I'll I'll hand it off to you. The way that it beat Florida, uh, Virginia was a bit eye-opening, 81 to 60. That's the kind of game Virginia almost never gives up. In fact, it had never given up a game like that against Florida State, period. FSU had not scored more than 70 against UVA since Dave Lado was the coach there. Florida State wound up with 1.31 points per possession scored against Virginia. Just an outrageously good performance. Raquan Gray has been awesome in the past four games for the Seminoles. MJ Walker had 17 in that one, and Scotty Barnes continues to be um, just a player I want to watch more of. I, 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 he is a... I, I, I couldn't be higher on him as as a freshman in college and then how he projects at the next level. And he was obviously a a five-star prospect and his talent was identified years ago. So FSU... I think made a a pretty significant statement winning the way it did at home against Virginia and in the process, giving the ACC some real doubt in that race because Virginia and FSU um, uh, at the top of the ledger there, and then right behind them, uh, Virginia Tech and Louisville. So we actually have something of a race there where you and I thought we were both in agreement before that. We thought Virginia was just maybe a cut above the rest, and now I think we need to rethink that.
2: With Scotty Barnes, it, it's interesting the way this the Florida State thing always works out the same way. <laughs> right now, they got five players averaging <laughs> between uh, I think nine and in thirteen nine and fourteen points per game, and you've got an obvious lottery pick in Scotty Barnes, and he does not have to be your best player. But but when you need him to look like a lottery pick, he can do that. Like the you know, forced overtime against Wake Forest, you saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, over the weekend. That was just like, get the ball to Scotty Barnes and let me go be a lottery pick. <laughs> and, and then he scored it. And, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just like, get it to Scotty and he'll go be a lottery pick. And and now we'll go to overtime and we'll win this thing. But, you know, he's, I think, third leading score on the team. I don't know if you remember this, but in the preseason, I think when we were doing the ACC preview, I mentioned to you that somebody close to that program said, listen, I I, I think we're going to be, I think we have a chance to be better than we were last season. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting, but what I was thinking, if I'm being honest, is like, come on. You you were the outright ACC champions last season. You lost three of your top four scores, including two lottery picks. Now you're going to be better? That just that doesn't make sense. They might be better. They finished 15th at Ken Palm last season. Right now they're 13th at Ken Palm. They might actually be better. 7 and 2 in the first two quadrants with one additional loss to UCF. Um Top 10 in offense, shooting 40% from three. They've got a real chance to win back-to-back ACC titles, and I tweeted this yesterday. Since 2002, only two coaches have won back-to-back ACC titles. You might on a surface level assume one of them has to be Mike Krzyzewski. It's not. Mike won one in 2010, hasn't won one since. It's Roy Williams and Tony Bennett, and Leonard Hamilton now has a chance to join that group. Um, outright title last season and tied in the loss column atop the ACC standings with Virginia right now. So it, it really is remarkable stuff to lose, you know, three of your top four scores and and bounce back in this way. But you know, Florida State very much looks the part with Arkansas. Uh, it's just tremendous. Like you look at what Must did at Nevada. You know, using the transfer market to build nationally relevant teams, and like here he is again. Three of the starters are transfers: Jalen Tate from Northern Kentucky, Connor Vanover from Cal, Justin Smith from Indiana. And w- the thing you can do at Arkansas that you can't do at Nevada is you can you can still uh, use the transfer market, but also add top 100 high school freshmen. So he adds multiple top 100 freshmen one of whom is a projected first round pick. And then you combine them with these transfers and bam, you've got a top 25 team, a team that is second in the sec uh, right now, they're nine and five in the first two quadrants with no additional losses Four of the five losses are in quadrant one. Um, one of the remarkable surprising facts in college basketball is that Arkansas this program that was one of the biggest programs in the country in the early 90s won a national championship in 95 hasn't won or 94 94 94 yeah won a national championship in 94 played for it again in 95 lost to ucla obeying and brothers Mm -hmm. toby bailey hasn't been to a sweet 16 since 1996 like that's almost impossible. Like I, I wish somebody would put together a list of every school that's been to a Sweet Sixteen since Arkansas was last in the Sweet Sixteen. It would be a hundred teams long, maybe.
0: I'm i like, interested. Really to, I'm interested to know. So there's one of two ways we can go here. You either spend three and a half hours until the next podcast looking it up, which is entirely possible. One fifteen and one fifteen in the morning. Scrolling through Wikipedia, the glow just shining right off Parrish's face as he continues to look at the 2004 Sweet 16. Or we have an enterprising listener who drops it in our reviews and lets us know. One of the one of the two's got to happen though, because I am. Per- I, let's how about this blank guess? Because this might be your favorite college basketball stat out there. By the way, like it I think, and favorite. this is it's my favorite I, one. I think you have brought this up like 15 times in the past five years on the podcast because it favorite. is astounding. It's astounding.
2: Let's go look go. at what Arkansas did in the early 90s through 96, and then go look at Arkansas's NCAA tournament since 96. There is no scenario you could be watching that program operate in the early to mid-90s, and then in and, and, and 96, they play in the Sweet 16, and I say, listen, this going." I'm just telling you, Arkansas will not go back to the Sweet 16 until at least 2021. You'd be like,
0: what? What are you talking about? And then I but come in, I'm like, oh, and by the way, I'm – I'm 14 years old right now, but there's going to be a pandemic that's coming. We're going to get, we're going to get to the dumbest pandemic you've ever seen in your lifetime before Arkansas gets back to the sweet 16.
2: And then I would respond by saying, call Leonard Hamilton and see if you can get some of those edibles.
0: (laughs) Where was Leonard Hamilton in 95 Miami? (laughs) Probably Miami. Um, uh okay let's go over under we don't know the answer how many different schools have made the sweet 16 since the year after arkansas made it i'm gonna say you said 100 maybe i think i'm gonna say that's now, the a little... thing
2: you got the thing you got to take into account there's are, there are 16 sweet 16 teams every year
0: a lot of people don't realize that but that's
2: yeah. a, that is something people don't talk about enough
0: they, they don't uh i will say blindly i will i'm gonna put my over under let me give the over/under, and then you you take the over the under, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say eighty four and a half different schools have been to the Sweet Sixteen since Arkansas last got there.
2: I will go under, okay? You're and going I will eight. say that the actual number is seventy
0: four. Okay, you're gonna say seventy four since I set the over/under. I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna land. I'm gonna say eighty. So you're gonna say seventy four. I'm gonna say eighty five. Are you going to research this or are we going to just hope that I can't, I don't have time to shine all week. Here's the deal. (laughs) The person that gets it to us first and really like, unless you got the time, don't, don't do it, but you will, I promise you will get a shout out on the pod. So submit it. However you can submit it. Let us know, double check your work and we'll give you a, we'll give you a a shout out here. Hey, real quick, by the way, just uh, uh, Texas, Oklahoma has been postponed indefinitely. That just happened while we were going with this podcast. How about this? Couple sources here. Oklahoma's uh, campus is shutting down for three days, and the game was supposed to be at Oklahoma. And then I was told Texas can't even get to like uh, the university. I have a I have a, a buddy who lives in Austin. He's been without power for three days. They, like Texas can't even practice right now. So this was out of necessity. I was wondering if this was going to happen when we were actually recording this podcast. I wonder if we'll get more indefinite postponements uh, here. That's obviously a notable game. I mean, Oklahoma-Texas is a high-level game, and now who knows when they're going to make it up. We've already had all these postponements and cancellations because of COVID. Having, and GP can speak to this because he's been living in the middle of it, um, It you know, you're part of the country, Texas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, You're just not used to having these snowstorms that will cripple your entire region. Uh, you know, sincere uh, thoughts and well wishes to anyone that's living in Texas and has been without power. They might not even be listening to this podcast for five days. They don't have power. Their phones aren't even charged right now. And it's, it's like a real crisis situation there. Um, so hope everyone is making out as best they can. Um, my buddy who lives in Austin, like, he he's from Connecticut. He moved down there, just fabulous guitar player. He said, I didn't realize that with three inches of snow, I was going to need to have to go to the grocery store and, and stock up for a week and a half. Like, I'm running out of food for, for me and my wife here. It's, it's the, the, the way that the entire system is shut down there has been, frankly, um, mind-boggling to him as someone who grew up in the Northeast. But, uh, but yeah, the college basketball news is that who knows when they can make that game up. And we're obviously running out of dates as it is with COVID. And now dozens of games getting affected by this huge storm that's moving eastward.
2: Yeah, like we have more snow right now in Memphis than we've had since January 1985. And to your point, we're not equipped to deal with this. Like the streets don't get plowed. You know, we, we I don't have a snow blower or whatever you need to clean to clear I mean, do, do you have
0: a shovel? Do you have a shovel?
2: I feel like I got a shovel I, sure. I haven't been outside. I mean, in days. I mean, I've, I've I mean like actually have not stepped outside in days. Man. Kids are not in school, obviously. Um, I mean, it's my wife has a four-wheel drive SUV, so she was able to go to the grocery store and and get back relatively safely. But everything is basically shut down. You know, like I, um, you know, you you can't, you cannot, or you cannot reasonably attempt to drive right now in a normal car. It, 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 they're just wrecks and you get yeah. stuck and it's a mess. And so, and we've got the, you know, we're on the good side of this stuff. Like I'm, I'm really just dealing with the inconvenience of not being able to go outside. Like I, my, my largest frustration right now is that, you know, I, I can't go play golf. Um, there are people who are, have no electricity, no power. I mean, um, in Dallas, they had to cancel NHL game and NBA game because, it's inappropriate to turn the lights on right in these buildings because people need that power so it's a it's a mess you you know yes we obviously trying to do this in the middle of the dumb pandemic is difficult but when you combine unusual devastating weather it's uh here we are
0: yeah, no, it really compounds the issue there. So we're, we're recording this, obviously, Wednesday morning. It would not surprise me if we see other games affected of, of varying importance there, but Oklahoma-Texas is actually a significant one for both those teams' resumes because they're trying to get, you know, two-seed, three-seed status there. So I just wanted to, uh, to interject. All right, where do you want to go next?
2: Yeah, but before we get out of here, let's, uh, you know, we did have a major conference termination earlier in the week. Boston College fired Jim Christian on Monday, effective immediately. I see a lot of people were wildly offended by Boston college firing Jim Christian um, in the middle of February effective immediately. Do you think Jim Christian was outraged by it?
0: I don't think Jim Christian felt particularly good by it. Now listen, he's been paid handsomely and that's obviously uh something, but like, you don't want to be the guy that's fired mid February. I did find it a bit tactless to do this. The team's not that good, but perish. I just, I think for all practical purposes, it's just not necessary. Is it the greatest affront? Of course not. But I mean, I don't know. Like to me, the argument that could be made and maybe you're going to make this argument is that you do this to get ahead of the job search. Come on. You and That's I both
2: unnecessary. Totally unnecessary.
0: You and I both know that if an athletic director is getting ahead of it, they're doing it through private channels on the on the on the lowest of down lows and getting that information you can months. talk to Brett Just whether Jim Christian's coaching your team or not. Correct. So I just don't buy that at all. So again, is is it the greatest affront? No, I actually just think it's I just think it's a crappy look for Boston College. And and Christian deserved at least we knew that he was getting fired. I mean, this was the most open secret in the business. I just thought he deserved to to play out of the string, particularly after and maybe these things are connected, but like his administration was gonna force this man to play a game with four scholarship players. They were going to have to start a walk on against Florida state. And then the only reason that didn't happen was Florida state had COVID issues. So the game never came to be, that would have been a high embarrassment for BC, which by the way, Winston tabs, their second best player he's done for the season because of violating COVID protocol. So there's actually been a bunch of weird noise around the program this week, but the Christian firing is obviously the big headline. Let me be
2: clear. I would not have done it. If only because it's completely pointless. Like you do not need this to get ahead. Um, Uh, of the search like i said you know brett just is is you know one of the if not the biggest agent representing college basketball coaches um you can talk to him whenever you want to talk to him it doesn't matter if jim christian is your coach or not so that doesn't make any sense i've seen uh some others suggest well you know you want to give scott spinelli a chance to coach the team and see what you got there and uh, you know that's fine i'm happy for scott because like you know, the next four games on the schedule are North Carolina, Notre Dame, Florida state, Miami. Like, I don't know where Scott's career goes from here, but I've known him forever. And now, you know, he's going to get to coach against Roy Williams. That's a cool thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, but it's unnecessary, I think largely as it pertains to Boston college's head coaching future. So I don't really, it just seems unnecessary to me. I guess my only point is, If I'm Jim Christian, I'm probably least bothered by it. If you told me, okay, GP, you're fired at the end of the season. It's over. Okay. There's no chance of me saving my job. No. Okay. You still going to pay me every penny you owe me? Sure. We have to. Okay. And you want to fire me, right? You, You want me to not come to work tomorrow and I still get all of the same money. I don't have to get tested tomorrow. I can just like sleep in with my wife, wake up, have coffee and not coach a a shorthanded not run a shorthanded basketball team through a practice for a game that we're almost certainly going to lose yeah you don't have to do any of that all right cool i'm out like i wouldn't be I, like once i know it's over you just tell me i can you know I, i'm i'm not quitting but you're telling me not to come back I it, like if i'm jim christian I i i woke up on tuesday and i'm like you know what I'm glad I don't have to go to practice today. I'm glad I don't have to get tested, put on a mask, and go to practice today. I don't want to speak for him. I'm just telling you how I think I would feel if I were in that position.
0: There are three notable jobs that are that will be filled later this later this spring. Um, Wichita State's the best one, uh, and we'll we'll see where that winds up going. There, Wichita State's a team that's currently. In the NCAA tournament mix, it's a bubble team. It's in fact, it's got it's got a significant game Thursday uh, against Houston that you want to keep an eye on. That's to me, that's the most compelling game. Isaac Brown's been the interim, and if he can get Wichita State to the NCAA tournament, he's gonna be uh he's gonna be in a in a spot where maybe he can wind up keeping that job, and that would be uh that would be a pretty awesome thing. So that's just a, as a heads up. That's a that's a game for Thursday you want to keep an eye on. In addition to uh, something like Iowa and Wisconsin, it would so, be wild it, to to be, to take over a program not supposed to. Go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah,
2: take it to the NCAA tournament, and then not get the job.
0: Yeah, I know he he very well could. So we'll see that that game against Houston is a huge one. Wichita State's a team we haven't talked about much during the season because they just haven't had like a high profile win or just been relevant. They haven't been in the rankings, but if they beat Houston, that's that's a that's a change, and we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. That's again that's a Thursday. That's a seven o'clock ESPN two tip. If you want to keep an eye on that, that to me is the most compelling game of of Thursday night. But outside of Wichita State, which I think is the best opening as of now. I think that Boston College is the second best opening as of now, and then Penn State is the third best. Mike DeCoursey hit me up, and uh, it sounds like he might slightly disagree. I'm curious. Let's just do it. Let's do a quick three four minute debate here. Let's let's do it. (laughs) I didn't I didn't necessarily expect to do this on a Wednesday, February seventeenth. Shout out! I believe Uh, this is Michael Jordan's birthday, by the way. Um, Boston College, Penn State, better college basketball job. Who are you taking?
2: I think Boston College.
0: I agree with you, and here's why I agree with you. And then, if you want to add more, you can. Um, Penn State's historically worse. Location is undeniably worse. It's without a doubt the worst program in its conference. Uh, I don't think that's even arguable. Now, Pat, Chambers it would have been
2: before. It would have been arguable before Steve Peichel.
0: Correct, but Peichel has changed that
2: for sure. You're right. And by the way, this—that's what they should do at Boston College.
0: Hire Steve Peichel.
2: Not necessarily Steve Peichel, (laughs) but like it's a hard job. You better have somebody who can do more with less, somebody who can coach, actually coach um, to make up for all of the inherent disadvantages. Don't I would not go hire at a place like Boston College, some up and coming recruiting assistant coach. I'd hire somebody I know can coach.
0: I would I would tend to agree with you, Parrish. And I think like I think it's close. Neither of these are are, are, are great gigs. Boston College might be faded. And cursed for eternity for leaving the Big East the way that it did because it hasn't been a, a factor in football. And obviously, it hasn't been a factor in basketball, hasn't recovered from the end of the Al Skinner years and what they haven't been able to do there. I would say Boston College is uh, geographically, uh, its talent base is better, although you're competing with a bit more there. Um, they're both not great jobs. Uh, frankly, if you were to line them all up, I don't think either of those are top 70 jobs in the sport. Um, you're just, your entry point with BC might be a little bit better in this regard, GP. You get hired this year if you can start making some moves by year 3 year 4 where you're where you're heading somewhere you have a lot of hall of famers and older coaches in the league that are going to be shuffling their way out in the next 2 to 6 years probably and that might allow for a window where you, instead of Boston College finishing 13th or 14th or 15th in the ACC, frankly, if you can have a 7th place finish, 10th, 11th, 10th, 6th place, 8th place, if you can do that at BC, you've won. And so I think it's it's marginally better. Some Penn State fans were a little offended when I ranked the BC job ahead of Penn State. But I think objectively, if you if you kind of polled coaches and agents, uh, the BC one would rate slightly better.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, it- you and and we both agree the Wichita State job is better than both of those, right? No doubt about it. Yes. And here's the thing: like I think this is obvious, but if not, like you way better off taking a top four job in a good league than a bottom four job in a in a great league. Yeah, it's just in in, in the as it pertains to your ability to have a career that is successful. Take a top four if we're calling the American athletic conference, the seventh best league in the country, and we're calling the big 10 and the ACC top three leagues in the country, take the top four job in the seventh best league mm-hmm. instead of a bottom four job in a top three league. That's not even debatable, especially when you understand Wichita state's got money. They can pay you whatever they want to pay you. They were paying Greg Marshall more than $3 million a year.
0: I agree. Uh, we won't get into candidates. That's way down the road. And The truth is at this point, there is no necessarily like candidate list that's legitimate. There's, that's going to take a couple of weeks there. So uh, Christian is out, and we'll just wait and see if, if there's any more notable ones. I, I was when he got fired, I, I kind of looked across the uh, the terrain, and I'm not anticipating anything else. But truly, anything's possible at this point. But uh, but yeah, off we go.
2: Shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry Mf and T. Legend, shouts to Lar. Now, thank you guys once again to listen the guy on college basketball podcast in the middle of the dumbest this is the dumbest one most ridiculous pandemic i ever lived through i never seen one like this if you enjoy the podcast please subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple podcast and we will talk to you again on friday till then take care